Hey everybody, this is Billy West, and um, the things I do today, all these voices and everything else, movies, television, radio, oh man, you name it, I've done it. And I worked with a bunch of big dumb disc jockeys, and they used to have voices like Zap Brannigan, and they say, 20 minutes past 7.30, eh? And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night Dick. You're home for this sort of thing. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you'll get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It is Talkcast 193, and it's sweet, sweet loving night on Mars 3. <laughs> for no apparent reason. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 6, Earl the Grey Alien Autopsy Ride, directly adjacent to the Candor-sized bottle of Aquaman's Aquavelva. I am the Dome. Joining the Talkcast tonight are a few of the usual suspects, because we're all really burned out from Boston. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Vice President of Technicalness, and princess of unhearable versimilitude, the level-headed, outspokenly awesomeness that is Kriana. Hello, hello. And you know, for all of those Ustream viewers right now, I, I think I think Ustream is malfunctioning because I've double-checked all the streams before the show, and it seems to be working, except when I'm muted. So I'm wondering if all they can hear is whatever's coming through my microphone, which is not great. But, um... I will continue trying to check that, but it's definitely configured correctly. Damn you, you stream! And if somebody in the peanut gallery isn't hearing everything, somehow find a way to wave to us and let us know. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely Ginger Ingenue, the woman who is best remembered for her recurring roles as an extra in the robot Sumatras, I was a teenage werecat, the classic George Romero's Three Days of the Condor Man, the story of an avian superhero in the Grand Canyon, a blinding light in a universe of darkness, and a Boston Comic-Con painful foot person. It is the dead redhead. I'm still everything in pain. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of think we all are. Our guest today, joining us for the full hour, is paranormal romance, steampunk, and, and anything else science fiction writer, P.J. Schneider. P.J., welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, everybody. <laughs> She's bubbling, and we're going to have fun. Uh, I have had no caffeine yet. Just this is just, Oh, my. Just oh, yeah. Unaugmented. <laughs> so anyhow, this past weekend was Boston Comic Con, and... May I just say to the assembled masses, holy shit, was this fun. Uh, <laughs> you said yes, no, it was. It was. It was just very tiring. Uh, and, and I want to start off with uh, a list of people, places, and, and things that really we owe a debt of gratitude to. Uh, I want to first uh, thank the staff of Boston Comic Con, Kirby, Jimmy, Nick, Colin, Bob, and Kim, all the volunteers. Uh, you guys were amazing. Thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, the, the work that went into rescheduling this after, uh, after the events in, in April, the, the huge change of venue, uh, the logistics involved, the keeping everybody happy, it was just amazing, just absolutely amazing, and went off without a hitch as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I want to also thank Mary Dumas and Pam Larson, uh, who were um, volunteers for some of the special guests and did us an absolute solid. We love you, ladies. Virtual group. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank 
ropes. Oi. Pam loves her gropes, so. <laughs> we can see you. I know, I know. You know, I'm trying to make this work, and I am only seeing meter bounce on myself, which, you know, I know people like me, but I, I don't feel like they want to hear just me. I feel like, PJ, they may also want to hear you live for some reason. I don't know why I think that. I'm thinking that too, yeah. But um, I'm just going to continue this stream and uh, maybe switch the Ustream stream to Chrome because our recording is coming out fine. So, it's, s sorry, Cam. You're, you may have to listen back to this one. Um, <laughs> let, let me just try switching over. Or is this Chrome? Maybe that's why it's not working. Is it? Uh, it is Chrome. Let, let me try it in, in the Safari. Well, I'm going on doing Safari. That, can I announce a late-breaking news that I just found out about, actually? Very uh, quickly, guys. Okay, sure. Um, on my on my little handheld device, apparently, um, Karen Black has died. Oh. The actress Karen Black. And those of you who are horror fans, you know her from Trilogy of Terror and House of a Thousand Corpses and all kinds of stuff from the 70s. And wow. So I'm just throwing that in there real quick while we're waiting. Wow. Yeah, she died of cancer, actually. It was evidently a, uh, oh, God, I didn't realize she was that old either. Yeah, she's 74. 74. Uh, I have a very long battle with cancer, unfortunately. Um, How are we doing? All right. Hi, everybody. Can you hear everyone now? Dome, say dome. Say dome. Hello. Oh, I'm yeah, dome. I see great meter bounce now. I think it's just Chrome doesn't work with Ustream. Oh, there's something else that we can be annoyed with. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that, Ustream peeps. Cam, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, fixed. Got it. Good. Done. Okay. I'm still the awesomest, as per usual. Yes, you are. You are, dear. Way to go. Boom. Technicalness. Mic drop. <laughs> Picked up. <laughs> So where were we in the list of uh, thank you people? Oh, yes. Uh, I want to thank Billy West, who gave us one of the best interviews we've had in, in an awful long time from uh, uh, an actor, actor, actress. Voice actor. Voice actor. Yeah. Uh, Generally yeah. awesome person. He was, yes. And we're going to hear that at the... Uh, at the halftime break. Sometime during this half of the show. Sometime during this half hour. You'll have to listen. It's going to be suspenseful. And with him was Gary Summers, who was uh, on Antiques Roadshow, who also gave us a terrific interview. Which didn't come out! We will Sorry, fix, Gary. We will make that fixed as quickly yeah, as Gary, possible. Yeah, Gary, please let us know if you're going to be at, at Granite Con with Billy again, because we would love to pick you back up, pick your brain again. And get another really great interview because you were just stupendous. Absolutely. Uh, Want to also thank uh, Cam and Travis uh, for the creepy char. <laughs> well, wait, wait, and 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 um, because Karen helped do the art. I and guess. and Karen's husband, Quincy. Tom. Tom. <laughs> I didn't remember if it was Tom or Tim, so I just said Quincy. Oh, it's my, it's my go-to. I can't it's help it. It's the go-to name for somebody's name that we can't remember. <laughs> well, that I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, and Rhiannon McCullough for uh, actually helping man the booth while we were out doing the interview with Billy West. <laughs> and for allowing me to buy, like, literally 60 chibis. <laughs> No joke, she Dead Red. She came up to me and she said, you know, I think that I stay in business just because of Kriana. <laughs> that may be true, actually. That may be true. I, I have ordered some pretty hefty commissions from her, and it's only going up from here because I keep, every time I get an order, I'm like, you know what I wish I'd ordered? And, and I just have a list going, and it just keeps getting longer, never shorter. <sighs> They're just so cute, and they work so great as stitch markers, and I knit so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have so much to talk about. Oh, PJ. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> PJ, you're you're not in the New England area, are you? Sometimes. Oh, jeez. I travel a lot and and I love to grow the yarn. Oh, oh, you're my people. Oh, you're my people. Okay, well, you're going to have to wait for a week where my girlfriend is back 
And then you can grow up the yarn and us. Okay, oh. now. <laughs> and perhaps come up for the New England Be sheep. Careful, ladies. We're gonna and people are gonna start asking us for video if we keep that up. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, the Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival is something I try to get to if I can if I'm in town. Well, you should come with us to New Hampshire. It's a big one. Oh. Or the oh, or the New England. Line? Was it? Is it? Um. Oh gosh, starts with an R. Ah, uh, Rhinebeck. 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 Oh yeah, we should. I've never actually been to Rhinebeck. We should make a date. We should. We shall have to look at the. Calendar. You know what? Both of you, shut up. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with needing the stash. PJ, I will hook you up with the awesomest geeky yarn dyer. Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. And would you believe I used to have um, English Angora rabbits that I kept? No, what? I did. And, and while I had them, because I, I know, you know, no longer have them now, they were bunnies. I named my rabbits Hobbits after Hobbits. Aww. So I had Pippin and I had Samwise. And Samwise really did look like Sean Astin. <laughs> Little chubby around the edges. Little chubby around the head's edges. And he was like this cute like sort of reddish caramel color he was a cream buck and he had the shock of hair sticking out of the top of his head it was fantastic wow adorable i love bunnies they always have bunnies at the festivals yes and then you can pluck a bunny which totally doesn't hurt them and then you know spin their wool and it's happy and warm and fluffy you you know what i think is really funny i've had some people ask um whether when spinning hurts the sheep or or the animals and, and i'm like you know they take the wool off first and they they really don't know no they don't i have to tell people all the time i'm like you pluck a bunny you shave an alpaca you know because yeah. the bunnies kind of blow out their coats so they really like it they'll sit in their in your lap and you're like pulling the extra fur yes yeah, so they have like them, special like, combs oh. too right and they're yeah. like oh yeah they're like cats they're like oh yeah take that fur off me yeah. They're like so much cooler because, like, random piece of knowledge, um, English angoras, especially angora fur, is seven times warmer than sheep wool. So those little bunnies are overheating, and you're plucking a bunny, and they're just like, yes. And then they start running free with like four. They look four times smaller than they were in the first place, and they start running around doing little bunny burps and going, "Wee, I'm free." Yeah, I have a friend who just got a not not a fiber bunny, but a regular bunny, and she calls that the popcorn dance. Yeah. Oh gosh, they're so adorable. Yeah, yeah. She's she's been trying to catch it on video, but no luck so far. Anyway, back to Boston Comic Con for a minute. But PJ, we will continue this fibery goodness after the show. It'll be great, and, and there will be a link to uh, Mad Color Fiber Arts. Wink, wink. At in the um. <laughs> okay, if you insist. Uh, who else did we want to thank on this list? Oh yes, Karen Goslin uh, for doing the design for the creepy jar yes. and and uh, having a lovely dinner with us on Saturday night at this uh, hidden seafood place. The unnamed place. No name seafood. One of yeah. those things. One of those things, yes. I uh, want to thank Tom Zotos. Uh, you can call him Tommy if you want to. No, I, I can't. I'll anymore. call him Tommy then. <laughs> he can't get mad at me, right? No, that's true. Uh, <laughs> talking, talking about his crow project. And we're going to have him on the show at some point really, really And he was also debuting it. Pacific Rim uh, Blueprints. Graphics, yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you hadn't checked them out yet, that is uh, artofinnovation.co. Oh, yes. Uh, we're going to have to go look at that. Yeah. <laughs> want to thank the United States Air Force volunteers who were there Friday and Saturday yes. helping out the convention staff yes. doing yeoman's work. Uh, yes. And just being basically wonderful. Dome, stop trying to use the lingo. Yeoman's work? Our Spider-Man in, in camouflage. He knows who he is, and he rocked. I, I don't know who he is, but you know who you are. He shook the hand of every child under probably 10 that walked through his doors. Because he was helping to watch for the wristbands. And he made so many little kids so happy. And I know that there was another, I will not say what kind, but there was another armed force who tried to tell him that having Spider-Man on with his fatigues was a disgrace to the uniform. And he, our guy actually outranked him and put him in his place. Oh, what? That's awesome. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. So next we have to thank Marcus at HP Printing and Imaging for all of our wonderful, awesome new banners. Yeah, he did a terrific job, and and we can't thank you enough for that. And you will also, uh, at GraniteCon, see the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Desk Lamp. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this exists, and it's awesome. It totally does exist. I want to to take a personal moment uh, to thank three very special people. I want to thank David Mack and Sarah Richard. Uh, who took time out of an incredibly busy con to talk to uh, a young artist uh, about getting started. And uh, a lot of the artists spent a lot of time uh, talking to young artists about what the business is like and looking at people's portfolios and just incredibly, incredibly gracious of uh, David and Sarah to do that. And I also want to thank personally Tom Snagoski for taking the time to talk to a couple of writers uh, who are just starting to be comfortable and wanted to talk to someone who's been there. And he spent an awful lot of time with them. Uh, thank, Thank all three of you very much. Most of all, I want to thank the almost 40 thousand people over two days who said to the terrorists and everybody else you screwed with the wrong city this is important and had a great great time thank you city of boston for being awesome can i also thank david mack just for being the adorable <clears throat> person he is because absolutely He's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So, con con thoughts, con memories. Uh, what did you come away with besides incredibly sore feet like me? Okay, <laughs> I have so many of these. I, I don't even know. I got more TARDIS things than you can shake a freaking stick at. There were so many female TARDISes there, women dressed as the TARDIS. You know, I was thinking about it, and I feel like the TARDIS is my favorite character on Doctor Who. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you laugh, but the TARDIS is alive. The TARDIS is yeah, a character. Is. The TARDIS a is episode. the TARDIS yeah. is um, possibly like the leading female character of the series. At this point, yeah, absolutely. And you can thank yeah. Neil Gaiman for that, Cran. No, no, well, no, I, I think even before that episode, she, she had a very established character. She does what she wants when she wants to do it. It's not always what the doctor wants, but he doesn't have a choice. Oh, so true. The doctor sometimes looks and is like, why are we here? Exactly, exactly. Other times he gets exactly where he's going. That's not necessarily his ineptitude, although sometimes it is. Um, It's because the TARDIS has an agenda. The TARDIS works with River sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, She she is the leading female character, uh, the longest-running female character of the series. That's true. And, and I really, really, in fact, adore the TARDIS. So I got more TARDIS things than you can shake a stick at. Other awesome things that I got, uh, a lovely uh, Clara and the Doctor print from Blair, Blair Shed. Oh, yes, from Blair Shed. That's beautiful. It's a fantastic print. You know, I saw it. I saw someone walking around with it. I recognized his art style immediately. I was like, you got that at, from Blair. And they were like, yes, yes, I did. How did you know? I'm like, because I'm awesome. And I thought, you know, he's really busy. Maybe I'll just wait till Granite Con to get that one because I know he'll be there. And I, I walked by and there weren't too many people there. And I was like, nope, can't wait. I ended up leaving with not only that one, but a beautiful Martha print as well. Oh. Um, I, I mean, not too many people do Martha. That's right. And she's one of my favorites. She's smart. And she's yep. like, I'm not having any of your bullshit. I'm going to be awesome on my own. And she was. Mm-hmm. She's not like Rose, who's like puppy dog lovesick for the doctor. You know, I only bought, I think, two graphics this year. I broke down. I broke yeah, down I broke down oh hard God. at Sarah Richards' booth. I broke yes, down That's understandable. hard. She has a fantastic print of the spiral staircase leading up to a TARDIS in the clouds. Mm-hmm. More TARDISes than you can shake a stick at. And also, um, one of my very favorite artists who, who I 
<clears throat> I'm going to be a hipster for a minute. I liked her be- before everyone else decided she was cool. Mm. My good friend Tofu Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like Lisa Frank on even more acid, and I love it. It's just, <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. She partnered up with this awesome uh, plushie company, hand, hand-sewn plushie called Mad Knits. And their name is deceptive because they're not actually knitted, they're felt. But they're super cute, but they're super expensive. And I was like, eee, could never really justify it. But she teamed up with Mad Knits to make a batacorn. And, and it comes with, with a print from Tofu Squirrel of the batacorn. And I, I broke I broke down hard. I broke down hard many times last weekend. No comment. Yeah, you did. There may uh, have been some lock and key keys purchased. Might have been. You got them. <laughs> a couple. Not just one, a couple. <laughs> the, oh, I did in fact get myself 3D scanned. <laughs> I got I got I'm good I'm getting a torso of myself in a the 3D mail. Of yourself, yes. Th- yeah, exactly. From Forge Studio. Thank you, Forge Studio. Look for them coming up on the show. They'll be here at some point. They're they're opening a, a studio in Boston where they're gonna do this scanning thing. I can't imagine this not becoming huge, especially as prices go down, which they inevitably will. Um, but they print in full color, which I was shocked at. They'll tweak your model for you. I mean, it's just awesomely cool and insanely awesome. I, I don't know how to say how awesome it is other than I got freaking 3D scanned at Boston Comic Con. Where else can you get 3D <laughs> scanned just randomly? Well, in September, you can get 3D scanned at Forge Studio in Boston. Very cool. That, that was my little advertisement. How did that go? That, that you did well with that. Thank you. Thank not, you. Not bad. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite, one of my two favorite artists, uh, Ted Wood. Uh, Ted Woods. Ted Woods got me my, did a, a con sketch for me. Uh, my One of my two sketches this year, which was uh, a beautiful She-Hulk. And I went back to get it and he goes, yeah, somebody else at your table has been by. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, Zombrarian did ask me to commission a knitting doozer for her this year. And mm-hmm. uh, it was obtained. And, and thank you to Julie also for inspiring the object that was being knitted. You know what it is, and it's adorable. And uh, dropping by to see Julie Mayer, actually, uh, she's completely redesigned her uh, her Harley Quinns, uh, and they're just amazing. And there's one of those in my collection now too. And and so. again, let's let's go circle right back to Rhiannon. My favorite is stitch markers slash earrings <laughs> slash charm bracelets slash pendants. These things are good for everything, and they were selling like hotcakes as they should. And they were the only Stargate things I saw at the whole con were the ones that I commissioned. And she was like, "Can I use them?" And I was like, "You better sell them at cons. Make more yeah, money." There will definitely be Stargate people there, and there were. Wee! Can I do my turn? Absolutely, no. darling. <laughs> <laughs> what did you even see? Okay, these these are my things. So I brought my my camera. I even had all kinds of fancy new stuff I bought for it. Didn't come out of my bag once. Oh God, no! The only thing I bought was. From the Underburbs guys, I got the last three issues because I needed to get those. Which thank you, Underburbs guys, I got those. My favoriteest things at the con, other than seeing some of the little kids who were beyond adorable as they always were, I got a big hug from both Terry and Robin Moore. Oh, and, nice! And I got a huge hug from George Perez who is, you all know my my thing with Wonder Woman, and as far as I'm concerned, George Perez is the number one artist and the number one writer, other than the creator, of Wonder Woman of all time. Wait, you have a thing about Wonder Woman? No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> he just kidding. this huge hug at the end and just said, thank you so much for all of you for your help. And I was like, oh! So... That for me was some of the the most special stuff. Which is dead yeah. redhead ease for you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Or yeah. or something. 
or something. And most people were really, really cool. Um, yes, you always have some people who are dissatisfied, and we dealt with that. And you always have some people who are just angry because they're angry schmucks, I guess. But uh, <laughs> all the people. Tell us how you really I, feel. <laughs> wow, but, what did she turn into dome? I don't care. <laughs> Oh, there are a couple of schmucks, let me tell you. Um, but you know what? Overall, people thanked us, and despite it taking a long time to get in and some mechanical malfunctions and the Air Force not all showing up the second day, which we could have used them, um, thank you to everybody who came and was like, you know, you got, gave us a thumbs up and said you guys did a good job. Thank you so much for... You know, for all that, for for coming and for supporting us and and saying thank you. And with that, we we got thanks to Pam and Mary. Um, you guys have a special. We have a special group for you. A special treat. For um, you. <laughs> no, well, Pam and Mary, we, we're sending them special groups because oh, absolutely. we know they'll appreciate it. No creepy jar necessary. Um, but we got to spend five minutes with Billy West, and it was the coolest five minutes of our <laughs> lives, which I would like to play for you now. We're here at Boston Comic Con for five minutes with someone awesome. The awesome person today, Billy West. I can't talk for five minutes. I can talk for three hours if you want to. <laughs> if we've got we've got the video for it, so we can do that. I got a mouth on me, you know. Voice actor, that's always a good reason to have a, a mouth on you. Well, it's the rewards of a misspent youth, whatever it is you want to call what I do. You know, I mean, I used to do voices and make noises when I was a child. I was like a little freak. And, and everybody was like, can you not do that? Can you not do this? And, can you not? and it was like there was no way in the world that you could ever imagine making a living doing that. But guess what? We all grew up in an America that had no work for anybody who did everything that was you were supposed to do. Yeah, we everything, basically got away with it, didn't we? Well, but, every, but everything we learned in school, you were so ill-prepared to, to face life in 2013 where they don't hire anybody over 40. And there's no business here anymore. It's all shipped overseas. No factories. The only thing we make is entertainment. And we do that well. We do it better than anybody. But... Um, it's also a recession-proof business, so the closer you get to that, the better of a shot you'll have at making some real money, because you won't get it here. You won't get it out in the real world. What is the weirdest, most difficult voice you've ever had to do? Oh, and can you do a bit for us now? It was, um, I did Popeye for Fox Project, and, and I used to listen to Tuvan singers, and they could split their voice. And uh, you're familiar with them. Singer, They're from, yeah. yeah, Tuva, the country Tuva. They're like cowboys, and they have a, a horse beat, you know, like the horse culture created. This was you riding in the cabin, wagon, rather. And, um, and they used to rasp out and everything, and everybody could do Popeye, but nobody did it well when I was a kid. We all sucked at it. You know, you just couldn't figure out why it couldn't sound like the way it did. And I figured it out one day, and I started watching the Tuvans, and I said, that sounds like a wagon load of Popeyes. You know, because they were, like, going, and I said, that sounds like Popeye. And so I put, it's a high voice and a low voice together. It's like, yo, olive oil, I bring you some flowers. And it's a low voice at the same time, an octave lower. Like, yo, olive oil, I bring you some flowers in the laugh. And it was like when they're both together, it's like, yellow olive oil, I bring you some flowers. <laughs> That's incredible. That's the weirdest way to ever, I've never seen that happen before. Um, I just, I figured it out. You know, I don't know if Jack Mercer really did it that way. He probably didn't know what Tuvans were. He was just a guy that could do really cool stuff. So, as you're, coming up with new characters, as new characters get introduced for you to do voice work, is it difficult for you to differentiate, bring new voices in? Um, not really, because I don't think I've hit the wall as far as creating a new thing for people to listen to. Um, but it, 
I put everything I have into it. Believe me, it's not it's like not like I'm like a falling off a log or anything. I put a lot of thought into everything so that so it'll sound like they might be real people. Like there's got to be some truth in there somewhere, like an honest delivery and an honest way of acting, so that people will have an affinity. You can't have this broad character that has no point and makes no sense, and it's there for whatever reason and not the right one. And uh, it's all about your choices. When you do movies, yeah. a lot of times you sit alone in a room. Yeah. Um, but when you do episodic television, do you have a table read there? Well, they treated Futurama like a sitcom. And in other words, you had to have a table read, and then two days later you'd be recording. You know, and I was doing all these voices. Sometimes I was talking to myself for six pages straight, you know, like, man, all kinds of exposure to radiation is making me thirsty. Young lady, bring me a sandwich from the dumpster and leave the maggots on it. <laughs> I was claw laughing. And, uh, and uh, she's a beautiful ship, all right? I'm going to fly her brains out. And that was based on a bunch of big dumb announcers that we grew up listening yeah, to. Absolutely. They, they loved the sound of their voice more than they loved anything else in the world, and they wouldn't give birth to it. It was like, all right, it's 20, min 20 minutes past seven. Yeah. You know, like the hamburger helper of words, these elongated, give birth to it, you idiot. You know, give birth to it. You're not that important. Yes, but I keep my balls in a wheelbarrow. Yeah. You know, and I just love that they were so full of themselves. And that's what Zap Rannigan became. My favorite character. One yeah. of my favorite characters. And the professor was just a whole amalgam of doddering wizards and mad professors and scientists, you know. And he was shaky because he was 147 years old. So it was like, I really, I don't try to physically do anything. But for him, I was like, you know, you know, good news, everyone. Ew, bad news. And it's like, he's really old. I mean, he's got skin stretched around him, and that's about it. He looks like airplane food. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, this part's dust. You know, he's 147. <laughs> This has been less than five minutes with somebody really awesome from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. And that was one of the funniest interviews I've ever uh That was had. awesome. <laughs> right? And, and Billy, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. The lines to see Billy West were just incredibly long through the entire con. And, and for him to take less than five minutes for us was just... Really awesome of you. Thank you so much. I think out of his lunch break. Yeah, I think it was too. He he was pretty awesome to us, and <laughs> and and so we we have to tell them what happened afterwards. A after um we did this interview. We need interview. to post those pictures too. Yeah, we do. After we did this interview, um a little bit of backstory. Drew and I were both dressed. Oh, thank you to Drew. Also, how about that? Um, oh, absolutely. thank you to Drew for coming and and being awesome with us. Uh, Drew and I were both dressed up as Merlot's waitresses, and I had some teeth in, if you know what I mean. Some wink, things. wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, and, and after we finished this interview, uh, Billy did a couple of bumpers for us. They came out great. Um, and he turns to me and he goes, you know what I really want is for you to bite me. And, and, I, and when I picked myself up off the floor... <laughs> I realized I had fangs in, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is happening. So I, I, I got behind him, and I was totally on his neck, like, ah. And well, you were on one side, and Drew was on the other side, and both of you were on his neck. Yep, yep. And, and we have pictures as proof. I bit <laughs> Billy West on the neck. Woo! It was awesome. <laughs> So, so look forward to those coming up on our website. And I think my life is basically complete now. Really, <laughs> um, when this show is over, it's all downhill from here, right? No, 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 no. Because now it's time to talk to PJ. Oh, that's true. Awesome. Right. Just when I think it can only go downhill, we climb back. Up. I know. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's right. a good start right there. Welcome to the show. Snyder, I've described you as a paranormal romance steampunk science fiction writer. How close am I? Uh, all of the above. I really do enjoy all writing in all of the genres. It's just a question of which story and 
and what kind of mood I'm in. Oh, that is so open-ended. I don't know from there. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about the ministry initiative for a little bit. Sure. Um, Should I give like kind of a brief summary, I guess? Okay, so the ministry initiative um, was a Kickstarter that we ran back in from May to June. And I, I've never eaten so much of my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> Running a Kickstarter is very, very, like, I'm so glad that I was a part of a, an incredible team. It was a project uh, led by Brendan Taylor of Galileo Games and his guidance as well as J.R. Blackwell's guidance and, and the incredible team that is Team Mars and Pip Valentine. Uh, oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, the support that you get from the team alone as we're all holding hands going, oh, my gosh, I hope we make it to goal. It's fantastic. And um, so the Kickstarter was sort of a dual, we were talking about it as like a a very cute double-headed dragon. Uh, It's a two-part creative endeavor uh, that includes a brand new anthology in the world of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences edited by T. Mars and Pitt Valentine, and also a role-playing game based on fake core called the Ministry Initiative. And I was tapped by Galileo Games and and asked if I would be interested in working in a, on a steampunk role-playing game, theoretically. And I said, yeah, theoretically I would be. And they said, theoretically, how well do you know the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences? And I was like, <laughs> um, a part of the reason why they tapped me was because I have written for the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences and the Tales from the Archives. And so I have a uh, steampunk short for them called A Swan in Siam, set in Thailand, then Siam. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yes. And it was my first podcasting adventure. Good, bad, or indifferent? Uh, well, it, it was kind of funny because they asked me about that at Dragon Con last year, and they captured me on video as T was asking me about my first time podcasting. And you, you had to get the full effect, but basically I was like, first times are special. <laughs> <laughs> and it was special. <laughs> You made it easy for them, didn't you? But now you have more experience, so you're better at it, right? Woo! Well, you know, it's like fine wine and good scotch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I actually like scotch a bit wetter than wine, but I will have either or. Just I, I don't. I try not to drink both at the same time. <laughs> well, I'll you know. Port, though. Port is good. I'll do port. Okay. We can do that. That can yeah. be arranged. All righty. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> but yeah, so um, the Ministry Initiative RPG is is coming along really nicely, and we're getting to a point where the the first draft will be going up for edits. And um, I know T and Pip are, are very much hoping we can get a test game going, or sort of a premiere game going uh, sometime in the next couple of months. Um, so we're very excited about that. We even have um, a lot of the the Kickstarter backers were incredibly generous, especially in the last couple of days. And we managed to hit several of our stretch goals. And some of our stretch goals included like extra stories for the anthology, uh, some expansions for the actual RPG, and also some custom steampunk dice. So we have our very own steampunk fudge dice. What, what is, what is a custom steampunk dice? What is, uh, so they're being custom designed for the ministry initiative. As opposed Very to, yeah, as opposed to going out and sort of kind of just buying dice that kind of looks steampunky, we we actually are working with a dice manufacturer um, to get fudge dice made for the ministry initiative, and that was one of the stretch goals. So, if I remember correctly, with the dice, um, the dice, I think because we reached our stretch goal, every backer, yeah, every backer with the reward level of one hundred and fifty dollars and up gets a set of four custom steampunk dice. So that's in, you know, that's in process. That does take a bit of time to get that kind of design set up and things, but we're hoping for product images soon for our backers. And we've been trying to to give them updates and and sneak peeks on things like some of the stories that are going to be in the anthology. And there's some pretty incredible authors in the anthology. I mean, obviously T. Morris and Pip Ballantyne are in there, but, um, you know, shout out to Karina Cooper, who is... Uh, an incredible uh, steampunk author. She's going to be in that. Also, Delilah S. Dawson. Um, gosh, Jared Axelrod, who is... 
I, I don't have enough great words to say about him and J.R. Blackwell. Also, Alex White, Peter Woodworth. Oh, gosh, there's so many on the team. I, I, I can't even think of them all right now. Leanna Renee Heber. But, uh, yeah, so there's the this anthology is packed with really incredible authors. Very excited for that. And then we have the RPG. So there's this whole... <clears throat> sorry. There's this whole confluence of things all going on at the same time between the anthology, the RPG, and and it sounds incredibly cool. Oh, I, I can't wait to play the game. Um, I've been having so much fun writing the setting for it, and J.R. Blackwell is the game designer um, adapting the Fate Core mechanics for the game um, to give it you know that steampunk flair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we're having a good time. We you know randomly she'll hit me an email and say okay. You know, and, and she'll run a test thing by me, like it just test concepts. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of daunting in uh any one of these crowdfunding projects when it actually happens. You sit there and you go, Oh my god, oh my god, are we gonna make it? Are we gonna make it? Is it actually gonna happen? And then when it does happen, you're like Oh, oh my crap. god, it actually happened. It actually now happened. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh yeah, and and the thing is, you know, I've always wanted to to have an RPG that you know really really captured steampunk for me, and I've always loved the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences since I started reading it. So I can't tell you how much I jumped up and jumped out of my chair and happy danced everywhere around my room when they asked me to do the writing for the RPG. So I'm I'm hoping to play it a lot and be able to introduce it to a lot of people, especially fans of the series who might not have um, done role-playing games before. This is a really accessible way to game, and it would be a great introduction. That sounds we're, just we're like a gateway, gateway drug. Exactly. <laughs> we're thinking gateway. Next thing, marijuana. Next thing, D&D and the devil worship. Yeah, Don't forget yeah. World of Warcraft. Oh my god, you're, you're really <laughs> damned if you play World of Warcraft in so many ways. I've been damned for a long time. <laughs> I think we're all in deep trouble, but that's a whole other story. So we'll can we see talk- all of our friends there? It's okay. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's can like talk- Cheers, where everybody knows your. They'll all know our names. Yeah, exactly. So- no, your well, game- more like our our gamer handles. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, it didn't say which name. That's right. So can we talk about the? Uh, the London Undead series that you're currently writing? Absolutely. Uh, so the first book in the London Undead scene um, is called Bite Me. And Kriana, that's your book. <laughs> it is werewolves fighting zombies in London. And one of the things I wanted to do with a post-apocalyptic setting like that is, is kind of, you know, a lot of people are like, why a romance? And I'm like, well, come on now. <laughs> post-apocalyptic zombies, you kind of, you know, want a little hope, or at least hope people, you know, do still get some somewhere in there. <laughs> so I wanted to add some positivity. Oh, my. oh yes, it, it gets, it's a novella, but it packs a, a heavy-duty punch. Um, the heroine is human, uh, though the cover might be misleading. Some people think that there's, um, that the romance is between the werewolf and the zombies. And, and much respect to zombies, but I don't do things that um, disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> There's okay. got to be some lasting power going on there. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Very nice comment. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, the heroine, when she first meets the the werewolf hero, she shoots him. <laughs> it's okay. He survives. Hey, are you giving us spoilers? I like That's spoilers. Funny. I think spoilers That's are hot. <laughs> Um, so the first book is out, and I also uh, have a trailer for the actual series on my YouTube channel, and, and we can uh, post the link for that later. Um, but the trailer was actually done by Imagine That Studios as well, by T. Morris, and, and Pip's voice is the, is the voiceover, and I get chills every time I listen. I love Pip's voice. She can talk all the time. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Wow. I, yes, so she did the voiceover <laughs> for me for that trailer, and the trailer is a lot of fun. Uh, book two is coming out in November, and I'm working on it right now. So I have little sections for you because you had mentioned it. Maybe. Would you Would you like to read a section for us now? 
I could. I would love that. That would be totally awesome. Okay, so you asked for saucy, so we're picking saucy. <laughs> Woohoo! Nice. Okay, here we go. So, he kissed her, tasted her words of victory. Her lips were the sweeter for them. When she gasped in surprise, he settled his mouth over hers and teased her tongue until she tangled with him, returned his kiss. She was the one to grab at his belt, pull him closer. He took hold of her upper arms, crushed her to his chest. Heat rushed through him, desire. He wanted. It had been a long time, and he didn't just want, he needed this woman. And to all accounts, she hungered for him at least as much. She arched against him, and he released one of her arms to slide his own across the small of her back. And I'm going to stop there. And? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> And that is a sneak peek of Sing for the Dead, releasing November 4th. What a tease! Oh my god! Oh, I'm very good at teasing. Ask my boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Definitely. Actually, recently, uh, both Ord and I were uh, guests of the book chart, um, a blogger reviewer, and we convinced him, I kind of ambushed him into reading a portion of Bite Me, and I got him to k- say cock online for the first time. He was doing a to- cold read. <laughs> he did a great job. <laughs> Aww. Oh, my man gives good voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you go from this to science fiction? Oh, well, actually, I read science fiction and fantasy all growing up. I was one of those kids, you know, third grade, reading Michael Crichton. Uh, Terry Brooks in the fan- like epic fantasy realm. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, uh, I was uh, a big sci-fi and fantasy reader all through. Oh. you know, elementary school, middle school, high school. Anne McCaffrey was a favorite of mine. Even that's kind of, I, I suppose you could consider it space opera. But I just fell in love with the ship who searched. That's like my oh, favorite. Oh yeah, book and the ship who sang the whole series. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, ship who searched was hands down my favorite, uh, just because it, you know, there was a hint of sauciness even there. Absolutely was, yeah. And I love the Sword and Sorceress anthologies. Always loved those. And, um, you know, and I've read a lot of the, you know, the Honor Harrington and love Glory Road. Glory Road is one of my absolute favorites by Robert Heinlein. And, um, you know, so I I was reading those quite a bit. And I didn't, you know, and I was always writing stories. And actually my first, um, my first series was mostly in shapeshifters. I stick with shapeshifters a lot across all the different genres because uh, I was a biology major. I know animals pretty, or at least I like to research them. So um, shapeshifters is, are really fun for me to write. You know, not just werewolves, but um, characters that change into leopards, uh, jaguars. I have a couple of those as well. And some of the ancient mythology uh, for example, a swan in Siam features a kinari, which is a um, a Thai mythological bird princess. Uh, awesome. Oh, yeah. That story, <laughs> that mythology, I, I grew up loving that. So, of course, of course I had a kinari in <laughs> swan in Siam. People are like, oh, it's the king and I. And I'm like, no, we're going back to Menorah. <laughs> we're going old school. Um, so, it, you know, telling stories like that. You know, I grew up on them, loved reading them. Third grade, I was even reading Tarl Cabot's Slave Girl of Gore. Maybe wow. slightly inappropriate for a third grader, but my mom said I was an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, when it came to writing, uh, one of the first books I ever wrote, start to finish, finished a novel, and that's sometimes the hardest thing a writer can do is actually finish their first novel. I did that um, in high school, college, and it was a science fiction uh, piece that will never see the light of day. It, it sucked that bad. But it's the backstory for my science fiction romance series, um, which is the Triton Experiment series from Karina Press. Um, and it's the backstory of the main heroine, uh, Caitlin Dara, who is featured in Hunting Cat. And, you know, it was very easy to write sci fi for me because I really loved it. But what I realized, and, and this is the difference uh, from between romance and. and and some of the other genres that it kind of bridges, I guess you could say, is that what I was realizing was that the stories I was writing centered around the relationships. They centered around the hero and the heroine. Um, most of the time I write male-female, although 
you know, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to write a female-female or a male-male romance sometime. It just so happens that the characters that I've written have been male-female so far. Uh, but usually my stories center around the development of their relationship, and everything that happens in the plot serves to either push them apart or bring them closer, kind of like Van Der Waals forces, you know? Uh. And uh, so that's more of a romance, and I have a tendency to prefer happy endings. I know a lot of sci-fi readers, a lot of fantasy readers prefer to have somebody die at the end. You know, there are people with George who follow George R. R. Martin just. Oh my god, I hate him so much. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, 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 ever, sorry, ever, sorry. Ever. We love him, but oh my gosh, <laughs> the trauma. He's never coming on this show. Oh. Nope, never gonna happen. <laughs> And I'm okay I, with that, quite frankly. I don't know. Big nod to him for, for the world that he built, you know, and the characters oh, yeah. he made us fall in love with and then tore our hearts apart by killing. Over and over again. <laughs> and not to say I don't kill people in my stories, but rest assured, the one thing you can you know about the romance is that the hero and heroine probably won't die if they didn't start out dead. Uh, oh, nice. I like the way you said that. <laughs> if they didn't start out dead, they probably won't die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there will be a happily for now, at the very least. I'm I'm considered a little bit unusual for a romance writer because um, Hunting Cat features a happily for now, as opposed to a happily ever after. You're not absolutely sure that they're going to get married, and you know, that's okay. But that's realistic. Yeah, and and I think in these times it is realistic. Um, however, there are some hardcore romance uh, readers who prefer the happily ever after, and I totally respect that as well. Well, great. Well, then they can go read an author who writes happily ever after. But for those of oh, us... Oh, I have of those. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, there you go. But I was going to say, for you, it sounds like you do cool off-the-wall things. Slightly off-the-wall, yes. Or through walls. There's a lot of throwing people through walls. <laughs> I can I can live with that. I have a couple of... Will you stop being saucy? Why? No, don't actually scratch that. Do never stop being saucy. Never stop. That's doing right. That. You like saucy. But yeah, I'm also known for for fight scenes and action scenes as well as the hanky panky scenes. So. Well, that's awesome. Violence it gets you hot. It does. That's I feel like that's been proven. Why do you think? And afterwards, you know. Why do Why do you think there's so many disaster porn movies out right now? Exactly. I mean, when you're in life threatening situations there are very few things that confirm the fact that you're alive as much as boinking the person next to you it's true it's true you heard it here folks yeah totally yes boinking that's boinking (laughs) well we could say copulating but usually that has the opposite of intended effect yeah and copulating you know that that tends to infer that there will be reproduction involved as well that's true. Sometimes. And that gets iffy in sci-fi. You know, you just don't know if they're compatible that way. Yeah, they, they could be, you know, a Cylon. We're, we're moving into John Scalzi territory at this uh, point. <laughs> oh my gosh, I got to be on panel with John Scalzi. Can I just fangirl for a moment? Yes. Oh, please do. <laughs> Go for it. It was so cool. I've been on this show for a year. Oh my gosh, no, he... He was so incredibly gracious, such a great panelist to, to, to be on panel with. You know, because, you know, when you're on panel, there, there's some people who are a great experience to be on panel with, and there's some people who are less of a great experience. Um, Wait, now, I don't, I don't think we've ever insulted him, so he could actually come on the show. We have never okay, insulted John Scalzi, ever. Oh, much respect to him, because he walked into a romance reader's literary convention, and he was like one of maybe ten guys there. Just to say, <laughs> that's bravery. <laughs> yeah. The and first... I got to be on panel, so yeah. And how was that? Uh, the panel itself was on on sci-fi. It was led by um, Linnea Sinclair, who is a very prominent science fiction romance author um, and one of my mentors. I, I cherish her so much. And um, the panel was great. There's actually a recap of it in RT Magazine that I could link as well. Uh, talking about some of the things that we talked about on the panel. Um, Just one of the things that was interesting was sci-fi today and how if someone were to ask, oh, do you have any good sci-fi titles for me that aren't older than me, you'd actually have to stop and think about it because um, there seems to be a bit of a schism 
uh, or, or sort of a, a gender gap, I guess you could say, between the classic sci-fi that we all grew up reading and new sci-fi that's coming out. To some degree, yeah. I, I don't think I could disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, John Scalzi has new titles coming out, and I'm a big fan. Um, but you know, a I, lot I of think times, if Zombarian would hear Robert Heinlein, she you know? she would she would point out would uh, Cory Doctorow. Yeah, Cory Doctorow. Well. I, I would like to you point know, out I, Robin Sloan, who just came out with a Mister Penumbra's Twenty Four Hour Bookstore. Lovely book that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, those recommendations are a little bit hard harder to. Um, Pull then right they, off the top of your head. They absolutely are, because I can go 50 to 60 the other way. And I'd love, love, love to be able to see more and more sci-fi, like not just urban fantasy, but sci-fi, either space opera or hard sci-fi, on on the new shelves, like, you know, you know the new release shelves uh, in bookstores or, you know, the reader's picks. It would be great to see more and more of them. And you see them more in YA, so we were wondering about that, and we just felt that YA, you know, is is an interesting um they're just it's it's much more open they're allowed to, to take a- more risks yeah. yeah you know it's it's funny too but if you look at some of uh arthur c clark's early stuff and Heinlein's early stuff there's a lot of what was at that point called juvenile fiction yeah and it's to look at it now it's kind of amazing that in the in the 30s and 40s the what we now look at as young adults uh, speculative fiction or, or fantasy fiction or even romance fiction um, you know was actually being done in the 30s yeah you it's, know and it's it's one of those things where I'd love to see it come back into the mainstream and and science fiction romance um, is a bit of a gateway too right? Because uh, there's a lot of romance readers who don't read sci-fi who are willing to give sci-fi romance a chance because they particularly like that author. And so it's my way of saying, come, come play with me. <laughs> See, I, I'm the opposite. I, I won't read anything or, or watch anything that doesn't have some sort of fantastical element. If I want the real world, I can walk out the frickin' door. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I don't really give a crap unless there's something. Hey, I welcome all readers. <laughs> and when you want an author that says, come play with me, is there a better author right now than P.J. Schneider? Thank you so much for joining us. Aww. It's been absolutely wonderful. Is it that time? Oh, oh damn it. I got distracted again. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. None of us are actually looking at the clock, and I looked over and went, oh, crap. We've been, we've been just, just talking about everything. And thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Kriana, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week we talk to Brockton McKinney, the writer, and Larkin Ford, the artist of M Theory. Get ready for your psychotic clowns and awesome talking cats. Um, on August 24th, we're talking to Michael J. Sullivan, author of the Reiria Chronicles. I can still pronounce it better than you, Dome. Yes, you can. And on August 31st, we're chatting with Jason Chen from StoryBundle.com, who has just come out with their unofficial Doctor Who bundle. If you haven't Which seen that, here. check out StoryBundle.com for their unofficial Doctor Who bundle. Awesome. Dead Redhead. Well, working like a well-oiled machine tonight, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic-Con, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit Comic Comic Art House. Too many cons in there. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD holder folk at RobWattsOnline.com. Do me. I want to thank PJ for joining us tonight. We're going to have Link-O-Rama, Link-A-Palooza to everything PJ Schneider on the website. The Linktastic Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to I am thank- all over the internet. And you're going to be all over ours as well. God bless you, darling. You're in our want- tubes, if you know what I mean. Oh, <laughs> I want to thank our cast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. Thank you, darling. Oh, thank you. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, 
Thank you, Dead Redhead. Love you, Boston. Yeah, we all love you, Boston. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. No.